to District Divided, a DC sports podcast. I am Amith. That is KDOT. That is Vikings expert and a friend of mine, Paul Hoffer, joining the pod this week to help us preview the Vikings commanders matchup 1 p.m. FedEx field. So, Paul, beginning with you, how are you doing, sir? And welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Amit. Thanks, KDOT. I'm a fan of the show. Good to be on, Uh, you know, entering the lion's den here in support of my Vikings. I feel good. The Vikings haven't looked good. I would argue they've only played one really complete game all year, uh, being week one against the Packers. And yet here we are six and one uh, somehow, some way, finding a way to win close games, which has not been uh, common in the past few years. So I feel good. Cool. Love to hear that. And we're going to, of course, dive more into the Minnesota Vikings. And we're going to break down, as we always do, guys, the commander's offense against the Vikings defense, the Vikings offense led by Kirk Cousins, his reunion here to FedEx field against the commander's defense. And we will conclude with the prediction as we always do. That's a score. That is a winner. And that's a player of the game. KDOT can't be forgetting you. Of course. How are you today? I'm great, man. After we did the emergency pod last night, exactly what I said was going to happen. The fun time starts. Now, who is going to be the owner of the commander? Jay-Z is involved now? Jay-Z and Bezos, the the combo? Come on. Come on. Rockefeller reunion at RFK? Who who feeling that one? Byron Allen? I'm, I'm loving this. Just... It's all these, it's like playing the lottery, right? And you get the fantasize. Now nah, fantasize. I'm in the fantasize zone. Yep, that's exactly right. I mean, it's as we were talking about yesterday, you are now going to hear a lot of names and they're mm-hmm. going to be linked to the team. And it's just a fun time. We as fans are almost playing the free agency game. Who do we want? It's fun to talk about. It's very, very fun to talk about. Do you, do you think Elon will have time enough from Twitter to uh, put in a bid? Oh. <laughs> I think I think he kind of regrets buying Twitter. He's honestly. an agent of chaos. I mean, he lost so much money already, but he, yeah. he's an agent of chaos. I can totally see him saying, you know, I'm just going to drive the drive the price up. <laughs> just throw some cash towards this thing and whatever. Right after it's an Elon Musk move, right? Yeah. yeah, right after he puts a man on Mars, like he said he would. All right. So why don't we go ahead and get started? Paul, the Vikings six and one currently the two seed behind the Philadelphia Eagles. And that's your only loss of the season. Um in the NFC overall, like you said, not look great, but six and one is six and one. You've had a complete game, as you had mentioned. And uh, Kirk Cousins is the guy right now under Kevin O'Connell. Looks like a new player. Uh, tell us a little bit about the Vikings this season, what you've liked and maybe what you haven't liked as well. Yeah. So a really talented team that I think just needed a change of scenery. Uh, the I'm. I'm a big Mike Zimmer guy, but even I, at the end of his tenure, was like, you know what? It's time for a change. Um, Zimmer is a great defensive mind, but I think he just wore down the locker room. Uh, That that kind of environment where guys didn't want to show up to work, guys weren't taking joy in the game anymore. So you didn't see a lot of personnel changes from last year to this year, but we're six and one. And... I don't think Cousins is playing as well as he did last year. Uh, I mostly attribute this to managing the game better, playing and and, um, maintaining an overall strategy about the game. And and the thing I would point to is what a lot of people call the middle eight. So the last four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half, Mike Zimmer was terrible, terrible at managing that. We'd give up field goals at the end of the first half, kick the ball off to the other team. It's a 10 point swing when they score at the beginning of the second half, we did just an awful job of managing the clock and managing the game, managing the flow of the game. Okay. We're running the ball really well. Let's keep running it, throw on a few play action passes, or we're not running the ball. We need to spread it around. We've got weapons on the outside. I think Kevin O'Connell 
is doing a good job there. Even though he's a rookie coach, um, he's done a nice job managing the game, which has allowed us to win these close games, which we were not winning under Mike Zimmer. So I, I think it's just a change of scenery for guys um, and a new, a renewed joy in the game of football for the team as a whole. Yeah. I mean, energy is so important in any sport, but football in particular, as you'd mentioned, and uh, that opening game against the Green Bay Packers was a phenomenal game for the Minnesota Vikings. It felt like a big welcome to head coaching Kevin O'Connell because it looked like oh, this guy's going to run away with coach of the year immediately. Everything's yep. clicking. I mean, what a way to start uh, his coaching career. And again, six and one, it's still excellent. And if it's down to coaching and they've already got really good personnel, should be interesting to see. Dot, do you have any uh, thoughts on the Vikings so far this season? Yeah, I mean, it's a team that I think is with the record, no one respects it, and it's kind of justifiable, right? So it's like they're they're finding ways to win the games, but I mean, the Detroit Lions last year, they, they like there there are certain things that you see with certain teams that you're you're trying to see exactly where it is they are, and I think this is one of these they're going into this week as sort of a prove it game. Same way I think the Commanders are kind of feeling that same that, that same kind of pressure, but. For a team that talented, I mean, you name some of the guys they have on offense and on defense, just the big name guys. They have, in my opinion, the best receiver in football and Justin Jefferson there on the offensive side. Of the Amen. On the outside, offensive side. But you still have a team that feels as though, all right, they could potentially win any game, but then if you really look at the schedule of who they beat, all right, who would you beat? And if that's the case, uh, you say, like, the most complete game that they put together is the Green Bay Packers, and now we're realizing the Packers are shit. So it's like, where are they right now? It almost feels as though Kirk Cousins himself as a human being and quarterback is almost a microcosm of who the Minnesota Vikings are as a, as a, as a team right now. It's what are you guys going to be? What, what can you guys live up to? You can't keep squeaking by against some of these middling teams with the talent you have. It seems beneath you. So we're, we're, where are we shaking out? And, and just to quickly run through their results. So of course beat, Green Bay 23 to seven resounding victory over there. But as it turns out, even we beat Green Bay with Taylor Heineke, you know, in the high energy game for us. And then the Eagles, as it turns out, really good football team. Uh, so they win 24 to seven against the Vikings. And then it's a series of one score games for the Vikings that they end up winning. And maybe that speaks to your point, Paul, about the middle eight, where a lot of these points could be had or could be prevented uh, on the defensive side, beating the Lions 28, 24. That was a close one. I remember that um, beating the Saints 28, 25, beating the Bears 29, 22, beating the Teddy Bridgewater led Miami Dolphins 24, 16, and then beating Kyler Murray when a new cod came out 34, 26. So when you look at that, uh, you know, you wonder how good this Minnesota team truly is. Just speaking to your point, KDOT, about the six and one record. Uh, but that's why Paul is here. So why don't we go ahead and talk about the more fun part? The Kirk Cousins is back in the nation's capital, right? The Vikings offense against the commander's defense. So Paul, beginning with you, because we know this is going to be a topic. Talk to us about your offense and more specifically about your quarterback. Mm, Yes. Well, as we know, I'm here to defend my quarterback against uh, the slander levied against him repeatedly by the DC sports community. I've said nothing on this episode so far. And, And in preparation for this, I did look this up. In every year as a full-time starter, Kirk Cousins has never thrown less than 25 touchdown passes. Since Kirk Cousins left, the Washington football team, with all of its quarterback iterations, has never thrown more than 21 touchdowns in a season since he left. Now, all that to say, this version of the Vikings offense, I love the trade for Hawkinson. He Probably won't make much of an impact this week, given that the trade happened midweek. But he's a guy who can win against man coverage. Irv Smith cannot win against man coverage. He's shown that throughout his career. And he's had key drops, like the drop against Philly, uh, that would Mm. have tied the game before the end of the first half. So moving forward, Hawkinson is going to be a huge piece. Cousins loves to throw the ball over the middle of the field. And he's a guy who can win in the middle of the field. Um, I do think Cook will have a good game. The 
Commanders, they have some nice pieces on defense. Uh, Jonathan Allen is a stud. Uh, but oh, we know it. If, if they get Cook going on that outside zone, that's what KOC loves to do, get in a groove, establish the play action. That's where Kirk is really dangerous. I imagine Jefferson will be doubled most of the game. That's what he's seen the last few uh, weeks. It's going to be an assumption there. <laughs> uh, he should be. <laughs> so, so it'll come down to guys like Thielen, uh, KJ Osborne. Can you win in one-on-one coverage? Thielen's been doing it for years. Um, you know, we trust in Thielen. And Minnesota's two tackles, Brian O'Neill, Christian Derrissaw, are playing really, really well. The interior, we have some issues. Ed Ingram at right guard is a rookie and looks very much like a rookie sometimes. Um, But really, I think the key is, can Minnesota play from in front? If they can play from in front and protect the lead, they're a very different team, even on the road where we've historically struggled. So, if the Vikings get up early, uh, I think this is a good formula for them. Um, but Kirk, and and I have to uh, quote my fellow Vikings superfan DJ Turner in this because he had a really good quote uh, describing Kirk Cousins, which is, no matter what your opinion of Kirk is before the game, afterwards he will prove you right. And the idea being like, if you know Kirk Cousins can't shine in big games, can't shine under the lights, he's probably going to prove you right. If you think Kirk is a top 10 QB, he'll probably prove you right. Maybe in the same game, both sides will be proven right. Uh, so I am nervous about Kirk in his head coming back to this place. Because I think this is the first time he's played back in D.C. That is correct. Season. Yeah. Um. So we've seen what happens to him in night games, right? Uh, we all have. We've seen yeah. we've seen what happens on Monday night. So that is something I'm worried about. I'm also worried about our kicking game. It sucks. Hmm. Greg, Greg Joseph should have been cut. He is having an awful, an objectively awful season. So if this becomes a, a tight game at the end, I don't trust our kicker. And uh I'm nervous about Kirk under the lights. <laughs> so a uh, quick question. I just wanted to key in on something you had mentioned. So you like the formula where the Vikings are playing in front uh, as opposed to them losing. Is that right? Well, so what I mean by in front is like, if they score first, if they have the lead, Fair enough. that allows you to run the ball. It also allows our defense, Zadaria Smith um, and Hunter to get after the quarterback. If, if we're down and you saw this in the Philly game, we got down early. Now yeah. it's, it's a drop back pass game where predictable. Sure. There's no threat of play action. Kirk cousins has to make plays uh, potentially off schedule. They can double Jefferson, try to take him out of the game. That's where this offensive formula starts to break down. Okay, cool. No, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, so jokes aside, um, the thing about you saying you expect, Justin Jefferson to be doubled. KDOT, I'm not so sure Justin Jefferson is going to be doubled, just considering the way uh, the defense has been playing better. Don't get me wrong. But yep. schematically, nope. we're seeing the same things over and over again. And I think we just happened to play a couple teams that weren't as good. Um, I'm seeing a lot on Twitter, and I think they're right, of Justin Jefferson lining up in the slot because we don't have a corner that travels you're going to see a lot of, and Paul, you let me know if you know this name, Rashad Wild Goose guarding Justin Ooh. Jefferson. Yeah. That's our that's our worry. Well, um, you have St. Juiced, right? We do. Minnesota, yeah. Minnesota guy. Yeah. Yeah, he'll, he'll we like okay. him a lot. He'll be okay. Yeah, well, if he if he lines up with him, yeah, outside, maybe. Just so happens on the right side of him. So, yeah. so KDOT, my question to you with the commander's defense is, let's start with the whole Justin Jefferson thing. We'll get to Dalvin Cook in a moment, and then we'll get to Kirk. Um do you have faith that we can come up with something to maybe double the best wide receiver in football with your words there? Uh, yeah, that's the thing. Um, I don't know. So the, the thing of it to us has been, we've been known every game to give up the big play, 
right? So like there's there's the giant monster play, and I like I Dalvin Cook or Justin Jefferson is a toss up to who gets it this week, right? But the the you actually look at the teams we played and you look at all right, what number one receivers are even in the same realm as Justin Jefferson? And I'd say no one so far. The, I mean, the closest you might get is AJ Brown, and he was just getting used to a new squad. And if I look at that game, it wasn't AJ Brown that ate, it was Devontae, uh, it was Smith, Devontae Smith, yeah, who who ate big time. So I think that this is a huge test for Washington in the sense that we haven't had anybody at this talent level recently was this winning streak. So I don't know what we're going to look at when it comes to that defense. I know schematically, I don't usually see double teams. I usually see us sitting in whatever zones, soft zone nonstop throughout this game. And if they're going to do things with Justin Jefferson as far as line him up in the slot, which he's amazing at, mm-hmm. um, and catching those balls that we we know are what we consider or has been at certain points of the season, the guaranteed completions is that 5 to 12 yard mark then I'm scared of yak, right? So that, that that's where I get to. Um, yeah. We we haven't actually had a lot of guys drop back and really beat us nonstop throwing down the field because we usually get the, the pass rushes there, takes them off schedule, and then they got to make something happen. And where you see a lot of the yards getting eaten up is when the quarterback looks at their second and third, maybe even fourth option, get the ball out just on time, and then they're gashing us for 10, 15 yards down the field. Yeah, uh, my thing is I'm sort of fearful of uh, a Green Bay repeat, right, for Justin Jefferson because we have yet to see Del Rio switch it up in that regard. So we'll we'll see if he ends up doing it because I personally think he needs to um, and force Kirk in a reunion game to get in his own head and have to make a play to Adam Thielen or have to make a play to KJ Osborne. He has trust in both of them, but it is so much different than having a one-on-one Justin Jefferson to make his life super easy. Now, I wanted to touch on Dalvin Cook, who in that Eagles game, six carries, 17 yards, it's 2.8 yards a carry. Every other game, he's been damn near five yards a pop. So it seems incredibly important to me, KDOT, that we do stop this run to put the ball in the hands of Kirk, right? To make sure that it is, hey, this run game is ineffective and make this guy who... I don't think anyone doubts the talent of Kirk Cousins. I think we doubt the mindset and the killer instinct of a Kirk Cousins. He has many comebacks in his career. He does. But when it comes to big moments in December, big moments in January, the New Orleans Saints road game comes to mind. And that is spectacular. But, you know, a broken clock is right twice a day. It seemed like one of those things because I haven't really seen much of it since. Maybe that's just me. But um, but yeah, Dalvin Cook stopping him has to be to me priority number one. Do you agree? Yeah, of course. But uh, that's the thing that like every every a rush defense statistically is not great, right? Because we've had a couple games where we've given up a lot. But if I'm also looking at like the blueprint for us would be once again get them off schedule, make this thing kind of a shootout. Um, Minnesota can be inconsistent. They've never run two games. They they don't have any back-to-back 100-yard rushing games this year, which to me, they ran 173 last week. If I'm following the, the rule of thumb, they won't get it this week against us, right? Um, and I don't know if that's just because – because I haven't watched a lot of Vikings games. I don't know if that's because what, what, what our guy here is saying is if it's one of those things where they're just getting out of it, right? So you have like even when we beat Green Bay and we're all staring and looking at each other's like – they have A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. Why aren't they using them, right? So it's like yeah. they, they just get out of it. And then at the end of the game, stat line's 38 yards rushing. You're like, bang up job, guys. So it, it it might be one of those things that you're looking at defensively is to just, hey, stick to your discipline as far as what it is. Um, get them in the third and long situation where they have to drop back and throw the ball and get it to the point in which they even believe, without it actually even being factual, that some of these teams you see this year – that the run's not working. So we got to get away from it. Now, Paul, I have a quick question for you because you mentioned TJ Hawkinson, maybe not having an impact. uh, And I wanted to touch on that impact. Do you mean in the box score as in he's not going to be a receiver often? Or do you mean that he won't even be in the game that much? Because what we do know about TJ Hawkinson is he's a hell of a run blocker, right? So that could help. I mean, the tackles are already playing well, but you talk about an outside zone that would most certainly help. Do you anticipate him playing a whole lot and being able to help in that run game? I I don't think he'll play much. Uh, okay. 
just simply from a playbook perspective, right? I mean, he probably, I know he's practiced with the team this week, uh, but likely hasn't had a chance to fully digest the playbook. So he'll be in for a set of, you know, package plays um, and may make an impact on the game. Like he's a super talented player and will be a huge part of the offense going forward. I just don't think he'll have enough time to ramp up from a playbook perspective this week to really make his presence felt. Fair enough. And uh, so just to speak to the keys on the commander side, like Paul was talking about, the interior is a bit weaker for Minnesota. So you're looking at Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne needing to be impactful. They have been so far this season. Need to continue to do that. And hopefully Montez Sweat can also get some pressure. And then Jamin Davis probably on an island again. It looks like Cole Holcomb's not going to play. Looks like David Mayo's not going to play. So it really is Jamin Davis versus the world in the <laughs> linebacking core. And he's been much maligned entering the season. But as the season's progressed, he's been better and better and better. And so we're just hoping that that stays the same. And God bless Cam Curl. Because the moment okay. he came back in that secondary, things have been a lot smoother. So maybe he helps with Justin Jefferson, for example. Um, any final thoughts, guys? Either one of you, uh, before we move and flip the script to the commander's offense led by Taylor Heineke against the Vikings defense. Paul, do you want to uh, you, you had a good point. The the strength of the commander's defense, the most talented players on the interior defensive line, that is by far the Vikings' weakest point. Uh, and Cousins does not do well with pressure in the paint, if you will, right? <laughs> right? Right in its face. I mean, no quarterback does, uh, but that is that has to be concerning. You feel like maybe you'll see a lot of bootlegs early, moving the pocket, um, instead of putting the back to chip on the end, put the back to help inside. Those are some of the things you might see from KOC to, to help address that. Okay. Any final yeah. thoughts, k Big thing to me is going to be turnovers um, on this uh, and this side of it. Minnesota's given up the ball in every game but two, and I think three times in the Philadelphia game. Um, yeah. Washington's defense was struggling to get turnovers until the last three weeks. We've kind of turned it on. I think that's going to be something that you're looking at this defense that we've 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 had criticism for and they've gotten better. But it's you got to get home on Kirk Cousins. You got to get home. The pressure is one thing, and we're great at it. Didn't keep you like yeah. it, but we need to get home. We got to sack the quarterback. And Kirk right now, I think, is in the middle of the pack, like below 15 sacks this year. Not like Justin Fields with like 30 or 40 sacks so far this season. Um, shout out. Shout out, right. <laughs> but, uh, but it's just, are we going to be able to get these turnovers? That can be a game changer for a team offensively that always seems to be in a shootout of sorts where it's a one-score game at the end. That can be the difference maker. You know, another thing about Kirk Cousins is that I feel like whenever I see him play more than any other QB, he's the one that's ready to release it. And before his arm starts going forward, that ball's out. Someone's definitely punched it out. It's always Kirk. I feel like it's him more than any other QB combined. Whenever like, it's like, Oh, you know, Scott Hansen on red zone. It's like, let's go to Minnesota. There's a big play here. And it's literally Kirk holding it an extra second. And as he's there, it goes I Every time. to me with Kirk was that he, it's not that he necessarily has the turnovers back to back to back to back to back, right? But it, to me, it's after a turnover, there is a cooling off period before he gets back to feeling himself again, at least to me. And that was something that I definitely in Washington was something that was a criticism for me, especially early on, which is that he tries to dig himself out of a hole and ends up digging so much deeper when the, am, when the mistakes happen. I'm so glad you said that because you know who actually turns into prime Patrick Mahomes after a turnover is Taylor Heineke, um, our starting <laughs> quarterback. I We can't explain it. He throws a pick six against Green Bay. He uh, then throws an interception against the Indianapolis Colts. And if you look at his numbers after those interceptions, they are unbelievable. I don't know what happens to this guy, but he becomes sensational. So actually a recommendation we made, Paul, I don't know if you saw the episode on Monday is throw that turnover early. That's going to be one of our, right, right. throw that pick early. That's one of our keys to the game yeah, is to make sure maybe first play of the game, maybe just throw it up to Cam Dantzler. It don't matter. Like, you're going to play lights just out. Treat it like that. a punt. Just Cam first Dantzler of the series. Just well, launch okay. it. Just launch it. <laughs> yeah. Dantzler won't catch it. He won't catch the ball. Peter's oh, man. Okay, maybe we throw it to Patrick Peterson. Just give him one early, let the Vikings roll a little bit, and then all oh, of a sudden and, we can go. And I will say, Kirk Kirk has been so much better with his pocket presence this year. And mm, okay, 
since he first came to Minnesota. He's improved on that. And you saw last week he had like a 20 yard touchdown run. It was a nice run. I didn't know he had wheels. You know, he unhitched the piano and just really got moved. (laughs) Uh, But he's, he's gotten a lot better. He did lose a fumble last week. There it is. You know, reminiscent of the Kirk cousins of old. Uh, But to your point, if he starts well, if we score on our first drive, which we have been almost every game this year, he's a very different player. He's in a rhythm. He's ahead. He's feeling good. He's confident. And that's what we need. That's what we need from Cousins. And I think KOC knows that, which is why our opening drives every game have just been wow, just beautiful. <laughs> so those beautiful. opening 15 are fantastic. All right. Uh, so, yeah, let's go ahead and talk about. Taylor Heineke, this commander's offense, and the Vikings defense. Okay, Dot, let's start with you this time. Let's talk about the commander's offense, what it's looked like under Taylor Heineke, and what your expectations are for this game. And then Paul will have you counter with what the Vikings defense does well, doesn't do well, et cetera. So, K. Dot, floor is yours first. Yeah, glaring things to me are Vikings are out looking at PFF. Vikings are good against a run, right? So it's a it's a team that this is going to test a lot of stuff as far as what has been the blueprint for the success of Washington recently, which is running the football with Antonio Gibson. Well, we got away from it last week a bit, but the blueprint usually for success with us and Taylor Heineke and a quarterback is make sure Taylor's Taylor can put you in some game winning position, but you can't have him carry the team throughout, right? You got to play style defense to run the ball. Um, this is actually going to be one of these games where if you look at the other side of what that defense is looking like from a coverage standpoint, fifth worst in the league. Um, Patrick Peterson hey, had a hell of a game last week to a certain degree in his revenge game against Arizona, but he's old now. And then there's, there's nothing to fire him up in this necessary game. And I think he probably spent everything that he has last week. If you start looking at the receivers against the Minnesota Vikings, you start seeing some astronomical numbers, right? Um, as far as what people are able to do against these guys, this leads into, this is the Taylor Heineke show. This is the game that Taylor Heineke has to show up. This is the game that Terry McLaurin has to give it his all. He always does, right? I was um, going to say, I don't think that's new. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. But this is going to be one of those games where I think Taylor Heineke is going to be up to him to not make the mistakes, which he said, let's get rid of that mistake. Get the mistake out early so we can go and throw ball, right? Go ahead. It's, yeah. it's the, this is a team you can throw on. And th- this is a team that we are going to have to throw on in order to get that success. Um, so these 50-50 balls to Terry, everything, we just got to make sure it's coming down with us more than it is with him, more than it is with them. And it, it, that's really the entire key that I see to the offense. I mean, if there's anything that I would look at to better manage the situation, mm-hmm. is Antonio Gibson out of the backfield and receiving and getting Taylor in a rhythm. I don't think we'll be able to necessarily have the same success that we have when the uh, uh, just running the ball. What I think you can try to do is almost West Coast offense type, like get these guys moving around and get them the ball quick. Let's get these short passes to get Taylor in a rhythm and to start getting some of these yards up on these guys so that then the play action and getting something deep can get going, can get going on. So actually, Paul, I want to ask you this before we get to the overall Vikings defense. Uh, KDOT was mentioning fifth worse against the pass. Uh, what at what level is that occurring? Is it all levels? Is it more short? And then there's a lot of yak. What, what's going on there? I th- I think some of that has been early season miscommunication between shit. The, the they figured it out. K dot. <laughs> uh, and you know, so Ed Donatel is the new defense coordinator. This guy's ancient, been around forever, very savvy. Uh, typically, his approach has been more of the bend not break he's not going to blitz a ton he's going to let you get your yards and when you get in the red zone that's when they stiffen up he also has the luxury of two premier defensive ends zadaria smith who is leading the league in sacks right now eight and a half right and the packers are paying him 11 million dollars to not play for them this year which is just absolute justice Shout out Brendan Nichols. And and Neil Hunter on the other side, who now does not see the regular double teams that he did in the pre-Zadaria Smith era. So Dantzler is a below average NFL starting corner. And McLaurin should feast on him all day. 
surely Ed Donatel recognizes this and will plan accordingly. I believe he watches District Divided on occasion. Yes. Yes. Um, so we'll edit this part out. And and up front, the Vikings have been playing really well against the run. Um, there are some really nice players up front who have been doing a really nice job dominated the interior of the line as well, Tomlinson in particular. So I think a lot of teams are just throwing the ball. It's it's easier. They see the matchups outside and they're like, I prefer this than to running the ball. <laughs> uh, I wanted to talk to you about Dalvin Tomlinson because I was looking at the injury report. He has not practiced the last couple of days. Um, so he is now officially at risk of missing the game. Should he miss the game? How much of an impact is that? And, are you familiar with his replacement much? It, it's big. I think his backup is Jonathan Ballard. Okay. And um, he, he's a backup defensive tackle. Right? Fair enough. Yeah, right. For, for a reason. And Tomlinson is arguably a you know top 10 defensive tackle. Um, but if I were Donatel looking at Heineke, right, the guy is just a electric. He swings alpha wide. male. From one, from one Winner. big dick energy extreme to the other, and he is. I think you have to play him like we played Kyler Murray last week, which is we're only going to rush for, and we are going to keep him in the pocket. So our very talented ends have to rush a certain way. You cannot just run up the field and allow Heineke to escape out of the pocket and make plays with his feet. And and kind of off schedule, if you will. So I imagine the game plan will be very similar to what we saw against Murray. Now, what I hope they make adjustments for is DeAndre Hopkins ate us alive. And I think McLaurin is uh, as good, if not better, than Hopkins as an overall receiver. So they probably won't travel Patrick Peterson with him. Um, you'll probably see more double teams. Uh, with a safety over the top. But I think you have to treat Heineke like Kyler Murray. Keep him in the pocket, make him throw the ball like a real NFL quarterback and not just some street baller, you know, running out of the pocket and creating plays. Uh, and it's it's really fun to watch. But if you make him play NFL quarterback like a real NFL quarterback, I think that's where he breaks down. And that's why he's been a career backup, right? Well, I mean... First off, easy there. You're on a DC sports podcast. So let's start there. Um, this man was living on his sister's couch just a couple years ago. Paul, Sending so. off racist tweets. So first question I have for you is how dare you? The Vikings drafted him. He was with the Vikings. Initially. I know. I Actually, apparently, Stefan Diggs is kind of close with him still. Yeah. We know why. Hey, I like the guy. I like the guy. <laughs> and I, I wish him great success, except for this Sunday. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. And I mean, here's the thing. Uh, that sounds like a pretty sound game plan to stop Taylor Heineke is just keep him in the pocket and see if he can make the throws and see if he can beat you that way. Because oftentimes his best games are when he can ride off of some sort of emotion. And typically that is through making plays with his legs or having a run game get going and stuff like that. And he can feed off of that. And uh, KDOT's plan, it appears, and I actually agree with it, is Throw it up to Terry McLaurin as many times as you can, and let's just sort of see how many times he comes down with it. And all the while, make sure but it's been working. Uh, so might as well continue, especially if Cam Dantzler is going to be on him. Go I'd ahead, also say that, look, the, one of the criticisms I had for the Washington offense was that they weren't necessarily tailoring the offense to Taylor. See what you um, did there. Yeah, yeah. I did. I, it was by accident until halfway through. Uh, you figured it out at the end. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, this Indianapolis game was the first time I actually saw them move in the pocket with him. And they had him kind of bootlegging stuff. And guess what? Probably his worst game. So, I was going to say we had seven <laughs> points until five minutes left. So at the end of the day, I mean, shit, they were asking him to basically be a pocket quarterback the first couple, the the, the first game. And it's like, Green Bay, Minnesota, Green Bay. I, I just, uh, look, I, I think that there's a recipe for success. It's just Taylor, we know, doesn't hold on the football too long it's just getting rid of the rock trusting your check downs and he's good at that and i think there's he's going to be the op there's going to be the opportunities there if he just sticks to what he knows right stick to what you know 
You don't have to play hero ball this game the entire way through. It's not going to be up there. And trust me, because of the way that the games have ended for Minnesota and the way the games have ended for us, you will have your opportunities in the last five minutes of the fourth quarter, sir. So stick to the game plan. And as long as he does that, look, man, I, I it's about to be a shootout. Yeah, hey, it could be a lot of fun because Heineke's been stunningly good in the final five. We just saw it last week. He's been stunningly good in these situations, and he is going to the right people in these situations. Currently, 2-0 is the starter so far. See if he can make it 3-0. So let's jump over to the predictions over here, and we will begin with our guest, Paul. We would like a score. We would like a winner and a player of the game. The line, as of right now, according to FanDuel, it is Vikings minus three, and the over-under looks to be 43.5. The floor is officially yours. Yep. So... I think the Vikings win. They don't play as well on the road, uh, but I think they have found the formula, right? Uh, they're confident. They're six and one. And I do think Cousins is going to get some some of this, you know, the grill off his back a little bit. Uh, as much as I am. Yeah, go ahead. As hesitant as I am to say that, knowing Kirk Cousins' history, I think he has a good game. I think he's the player of the game. And I think the Vikings win 28 to 17. 28 to 17. Okay, that's a smooth cover. All right, Kada. Who, by the way, before he starts, let it be known. He said Commanders 17, Colts 16 last week. Got it exactly right. So please continue, sir, with that Um, in mind. Wow, pressure, asshole. Um, the <laughs> <laughs> No, I was yeah. just saying you control the score. Whatever yeah, you say is what happens. That's fair. Um, I'm going with this is going to be a uh, a higher scoring game for us um, just because I do think we're going to be able to get – we're going to be able to throw the ball on these guys um, the same way I think they're going to be able to throw the ball on us. Um, so, to me, this is a game that's going to come down to the wire. Give me a 28-27, some stupid some crazy. 28-27 – Give me the commanders. And look, it's a toss-up to me. The only reason I'm going with, and it it could go either way. It could absolutely go either way. I think we're looking at last play of the game sort of stuff, getting right in the field goal range sort of stuff. And I trust Taylor Heineke in those moments more than I've ever trusted Kirk Cousins. And that's the only reason I'm going with it. And um, I've been riding this, I can't stand Kirk Cousins train. Far too long to pick the Vikings in this spot. I'm going Commanders 23, Vikings 20, just under the under by half a point. Player of the game, Rashad Wild Goose, the man who's going to be isolated with Justin Jefferson. Just watch. Just watch. John Allen's going to hit Kirk once. A ball's going to pop up a little bit, and Wild Goose is just going to be there to receive it perfectly. I'm calling a pick six for Wild Goose. It's, it's, His name is actually Wild Goose. Like, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Nope, nope. That we is have very the best much... names maybe in football, right? So yep. like, we got Wild Goose. We got a cheese man. Yep. We got Cameron Tress. Cheese Man, long snapper. Yeah, we got uh, Tress. Who's a white guy. It, yeah. It's just that it, we've, we've got we've got to make Joey Sly. Slyway, the Slyway with Cheese Man snapping. Come on, man. It's just we got these guys. It's amazing. So, yeah, Uh, those are our predictions. And uh, we would typically do the comment mailbag, but because we're doing back-to-back episodes, we're going to let those accumulate, and we are going to put that together on Monday. So until then, this was District Divided, a DC sports podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. I am Amit. That is KDOT. That is Paul. If you guys enjoyed today's episode, please like it. Please subscribe. Please share it with your friends. And most importantly, please comment because we love reading those and interacting with those. Um, And if you are so inclined, please stick around after the pod, which begins right now. Of course, he waits until after the pod for that. Oh, time to put my feet up a little bit. This is the fun part. ordering my wing out. What are you getting? Uh... They have the best goddamn deal in the city on a chili dog with fries. It's eight 99 that the hot dog is giant and you get an entire thing of their seasoned fries. Can you fucking on the screen? Just how big. Uh, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Paul, welcome to after the pod, man. Thanks, man. It's good to be here. I've been I've just been waiting for you to ask me to come on district divided. <laughs> hey, it's finally here. And hey, listen, 
we're going to get to live out these predictions live at whatever field it's called now, FedEx field. FedEx, that's right. You're going. Yeah. you. I thought you were coming too. Um, maybe. Maybe. So I thought my soccer game was at five o'clock. Um, it is at four. But is this the and I don't know. No, here's the thing. Um, so I'm not even sure I'm going to play because I lost a bet to Matt Regan a while ago. My calf is still hurting from running the six miles, running that 10K a week so ago. Stupid. It was so stupid. So given that, I may end up, trust me, that place is not sold out. I could <laughs> definitely pick up a ticket and see you guys over there. So I just I just may be there to chance sell the team and all that good stuff. It's been a well, while since I've been to FedEx. And another thing we didn't talk about is this might be kind of a home game for the Vikings. Because... You know what? Go ahead. Go ahead. Talk to me about that. So, I mean, with everything that going that's going on with Snyder, home attendance has been down. I've I've been to a game a few years ago. Uh it was they played the 49ers, which should have been a big draw. That stadium was very, very empty. Mm. I'm going with the Nova Vikes fan club. And we are all meeting at this this Arlington bar that we usually watch games at. There are four busloads of Vikings fans leaving together from that bar to go to the game. And they, <laughs> wow, we're going to be there in force, man. So <laughs> Kirk Cousins might feel like, oh, man, this, this is a home game. I feel good. And he's going to see that one Indian dude with a Redskins 11 jersey on. Get confused oh. and throw, <clears throat> throw the ball to the wrong damn team. Yeah. <laughs> uh, have any of y'all been to a game at in Baltimore, the M&T Bank? Yes. Several. Oh, that is great. A, great, a great experience. Last year, I went for the worst damn game ever. It was them and uh, Oh, were Cleveland. you there for the Cleveland game? That, that the Sunday Cleveland night game? game? That was a horrible game. But the, but the atmosphere was incredible. Atmosphere was great. They gave us all these armbands that lit up. And then they had cool. the three-dimensional uh, Raven come in. And then the, 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 the best pregame thing in all of football is they do the Omar from the wire whistle and it mm, goes yeah. black and it was just goosebumps, chills, the whole, it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. And hey, FedEx field. I also went to, what was it like a week later as the, like the <laughs> nice juxtaposition. I fucking told you not to, too. I didn't want to. It was all family. It was a girlfriend's family wanted to go you know, right. went with a bunch of Cowboys fans and it, I had a panic attack and it was, just, it was a nightmare. Well, yeah. It was an absolute nightmare. And I will tell you, the next time I go to FedEx Field is to light that bitch on fire when a team gets sold. So, and if you had a panic attack, then you could easily make the case that moving forward, you can't go for your mental health. Mm. Yeah, I'm not doing it. It sucks. <laughs> I don't need it well, more than that. It fucking sucks. And, yeah. and maybe I'll cover this in the emergency pod, but why now? You're talking about the sale? Why now? Why is um, doing this now he's so, had pressure for years yeah. to do this and even a few weeks ago he's leaking stuff saying i have dirt on all the nfl owners they can't force me out so uh great question uh i think why now is because i believe well a couple things so one espn broke a story after forbes had broken theirs about him selling the team about a financial impropriety case occurring uh, against the Washington commanders. So who knows what they may find over there and in anticipation of it. Maybe he goes, you know what? I just want to sell it. We don't need to see what's in there. Uh, that's one. Two, uh, the Mary Jo White investigation has been going on for quite some time, and it could be wrapping up. It could be wrapped up. Um, and so I think basically what has occurred, Paul, is that enough has happened behind the scenes recently I, I see enough that could have happened behind the scenes recently where they go, you know what? Uh, the following is occurring. The following is going to happen. If this becomes public and we have promised, Goodell promised it would be, and let's assume he actually held that promise, which is a big assumption. Um, that would mean that depending on what's in there, they go, hey, there is no way we can keep you here. So if you want as much money as you can, you better sell it now. Here, look, it's the same thing I said in the emergency pod. I'm gonna re and the thing is, I read something today that just it doubled up what I'm thinking. What you're hearing Snyder say right now is the truth. 
he is going through all the options. I don't think he's solidified on anything right now. Um, I think what he's trying to figure out is what his options are for a quick out if he needs it. But more than anything, what this is doing is driving up the price point. And it, mm-hmm. it, the thing is that, like, more than anything, even if he, he can drive at the price point right now, there starts being a bidding war. Maybe you do have some dumb schmuck that says, hey, I'll be a minority owner if I can just get a little piece of this pie. RG3 on freaking Twitter. You see that? Yeah, and he wanted to get 10 fans Idiot. to come in with him. But the you heard about the um the, the at the last league meeting, there was a there was a closed door meeting and Goodell addressed all the owners and told them basically stop it. Trust the process, let the process work itself out. And when you hear that from Goodell in that room with those owners, what they're saying is that like, look, the Mary Jo White thing is going to be a thing. The, 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 regardless of whatever got said in that Forbes article, I've been saying on this pod and the other pod, everywhere that I listen, the, the countdown has already started. It's over. It's over for him. It's just whether or not he accepts that it's over. And I still don't think he's accepted that it's over quite yet. No, of course but, not. But every day that goes by and when the valuation continues to go up, when you're getting Jay-Z and Jeff Bezos involved, when Byron Allen, who just lost out on the Denver Broncos, plus everybody else that lost out on the Denver Broncos, are like, fuck this. This team is worth so much more than the Broncos could ever be worth. We want a part of this. Like, the, 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 to own the franchise in Washington makes you immediately – a top three, a top five to top three power player in the NFL, period. I also think Jeremy Shea just doing a line and going, yeah, I'm ready to talk. Let's go. And all of a sudden just being like, yeah, there's a lot of merit to removing him and all that stuff. I think that was huge because mm-hmm. we, we've talked about it on previous episodes about how no other owner came out and said we disagree with him. Uh, they were yep. mad and didn't talk to other media members but they never once said we disagree. Um, and I think Snyder and one of the points Ursay made was that, Hey, he's making us all look bad. Like we are all terrible people and we're not. And so I do think that behind the scenes, they could have even gotten 24 votes and said, Hey, we are going to put this to a vote or you sell. So I think there are any number of things that could have occurred recently where mm-hmm. Snyder goes, okay, I need to explore. Yeah. Uh, that's my thought. Hmm. Yeah, it, it sucks that he's probably going to get like six billion dollars at the least. That, that, I think that I think that's I the really, floor. I don't think. <laughs> I really think when the dust settles, we're looking at about eight. And I, you're probably right. Like the NFL teams don't come for sale very often. There are only thirty of them, and uh, or thirty-two. Thirty-two. Thinking, thirty-two. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, no one and, counts Jacksonville or the Texans. Don't worry about it. But yeah, I mean, the NFL is better when the DC team is good. Yep. We would all agree. All of and, us. <laughs> and and I say that as not a DC fan, right? I mean, I, I will root for them in non-Viking situations. Okay. But there are other teams in the league that that also applies to. As much as I don't like the Giants or the Cowboys – the NFL or like the Raiders, like the NFL is better when those teams are good. The yeah. like the better marketed ones, right? Yeah. That yeah. are typically, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I mean, beyond that thing, it's just like to me, I go back to the dollars and cents. It's the fact that Washington has never hosted a Super Bowl when you have all these stadiums becoming either um, dual role, indoor, outdoor, or most likely will probably be a dome, which I don't love the idea of, but probably will be here. Um, and also look at every look at how many times the NFL has been threatened to get dragged in front of C- Capitol Hill over the last how many years? And you have nobody that wields any influence whatsoever in the city representing the team's interest at all. Period. Like you got no one that can even trust because Dan he's got his. It was basically when Trump's guys came in, Dan kind of tied himself to those dudes a little bit. But they didn't real. But those dudes stayed to themselves. They're not around DC. They're not. They don't have the fact that you could have a guy as rich as he is that has Maryland, DC, and Virginia, regardless of whether it's red or blue. All three say we want nothing to fucking do with you. 
<laughs> is ridiculous. Yeah. Impressive. Yeah. It, it is fairly impressive. He's made it right? bipartisan. It is unbelievable. It's impressive. He's found a way to unite the people. Uh, that's the value. That's the, the value. Thing to unite the divide between red and blue. The one the world doesn't want, but the world needs. <laughs> Which is what I also think might play into some of this stuff where regardless of the valuation, I can also see Dan being petty. Because there's like the idea oh, yeah. of a Jeff Bezos who already owns the Washington Post, is already seen around town at some of the higher-end parties and restaurants and stuff, already seen with these guys, to think that this dude's going to come in here and wield the influence that I couldn't have? Fuck off. You know what like, just, There's going to be some of that pettiness. You know what just hit me is that, so the Powerball, I think, is at $1.5 billion, and I yes. think the drawing Saturday. We would have to win that. Um, it would then get taxed. We would have to throw it on black and then red and then black in any sort of number of situations multiple times. And then we could maybe have a bid, but then we have this podcast. It can't be us. We'd have to like oh, yeah. get somebody else. My sister could buy it, maybe. Jay-Z can't buy it. <laughs> like, I know. Like, that's the thing. Like, isn't that wild? Like, everyone's talking about the Powerball right now. And it's like, There's, actually, you'd have to win that about five times to maybe, maybe have a the chance. The idea is that the, it's great that Forbes broke the story. I mean, Forbes got the press release from Dan Snyder and released it. Their paywall is um, terrible, by the way. I was able to read the article by just Forbes. clicking on it three times. Yeah, same Because way. it takes I, 15 seconds for back. it to actually block. Yeah, it was so So was I so was scary. like, I could read two, three paragraphs at a time and then just like be but like, okay, thing, I'll just go right back to the page. The Forbes richest list, the Forbes billionaires list is literally a list of people that are able to get to be in the conversation for the commanders. And it ain't that deep on the list. So it's like you're you're literally looking at like the top fifty on that list and saying those are your contenders. Like, it's who are nuts. The, who are the who are the billionaires or the owners that we would go? Oh fuck, Dan, don't sell to him. Like Elon. we would rather have you, Elon. No, yeah, yeah Elon. <laughs> it's Elon. Is it just Elon? Elon? Like no, when, Elon. When, the, when the Elon Kanye Donald West Trump bid comes in, I don't think he has the money, dude. When the Elon Kanye West bid comes in and, oh. and Trump is all over the media talking about how it'd be a great thing for the city to have these guys come in. That's when people started looking around and being like, are we sure the grass is greener? <laughs> Please no, anyone but him. We build a statue of Dan. Stay. Don't sell. Nah, that's never going to get there. Fuck it. Bring Elon. Bring Bezos. Throw penis rockets all over the city. I don't care. It's do whatever. It, Snyder has been evil <laughs> like there's no he's been evil for this town and what he's done and we were talking about like the the best day in washington sport or commander sports history for us growing up right and i still go back to oh three the return of joe gibbs and the reason i remember the reason it sticks out to me so much is that you saw an entire class of people that were older generations that got so excited that have nothing but apathy now like you look at the sweet spot as far as the guys that are really the fans here, like the dudes that are usually doing the most are the ones that are in their forties and have the disposable income to be able to go to the games and shit. There's not the older generation, the older generation that used to go to the games where you look in the old videos and guys in their top hats and fucking jackets. We're 60, 70 years old, but this is, this is our team, right? None of, ain't none of that. My dad was a, my dad used to be a fucking um, food runner at RFK. Every every uh, every NFL season, my brother is an it was a was a Washington season ticket holder for over 15 years. They don't watch the games. They just don't watch the games. Snyder has done that much. There was like, why the fuck are we? Why now? Yeah, there's a racial dynamic. There's a just moral dynamic. There's all kinds of things that lead you to be like, why am I doing this? Then you want to go to the games? I'm not going to Landover. I fucking hate going to Landover to watch the shit. Um, just switching gears because Paul, I mean, this is your first time on the pod. You wanted to talk about Anthony Edwards, I think. What, mm -hmm. what was going on there? Oh, I mean, I'd like to use this public opportunity to pro profess my undying love for Anthony <laughs> Edwards more than anything else. He yeah. and Justin Jefferson are the re reincarnation of Kevin Garnett and Randy Moss for Minnesota sports. I like you remember that in the that same way. The slam. <laughs> I hope not. I'm not I'm <laughs> but you remember that that slam magazine cover with KG and yes. Randy Moss? Pretty here. iconic. Yeah. Oh, I mean, we just we saw you know the this the redux of that. 
And Edwards, it's been a tough start to the season for the Wolves and him in particular. I think he showed up kind of fat, to be honest. Like, oh, they they listed Whoa. they listed his weight at two thirty nine. He's like six four, six five, two thirty nine. Towns is like seven feet two thirty one. <laughs> now I realize that was the case. Towns Towns got sick before the beginning of the season, so he lost a lot of weight. But I I think Edward showed up fat, and. What? I love him. I love him like more than any other Timberwolves player since Ricky Rubio. But he's got to grow up, man. He's he's 21 years old. Uh he's still young. He's still got time. He's gonna get it. But um yeah, I, it, it's been a tough start of the season. What do you, what do you think Anthony Edwards has been eating this offseason? Well, I don't know if you saw this maybe last week. Freaking Cat in his post game interview talked about how Ant was always eating Popeyes. Okay, so he's not eating all the like juicy Lucy's and stuff like that. It's it's Popeyes. But but Town said that in response to a reporter question, which was very much like, "Come on, man! Like, why are you throwing him under the bus like that? <laughs> why are you talking about him eating Popeyes like that?" And it's completely understandable. <laughs> and so. Before we got on, we were talking about how Kirk Cousins is the or, or Russell Wilson is the black Kirk Cousins, right? Yes. I think, I think Carl Anthony Towns is the Russell Wilson of the NBA. I would I, like you to elaborate. I, I'm seeing it, but I want I want. Yeah, here we go. Here's a guy highly decorated. Uh, got a lot of media love early in his career. Most, most of which was deserved, but has tried to assert leadership in a way that is clearly phony and guys see through. The, the, the locker room sees through it, right? When Russell Wilson is out there, Broncos country, let's ride, everyone's like, ugh, whatever. Towns is a similar way. We got to get back. We got to play defense. We got to treat our bodies right. Jimmy Butler I hate Jimmy Butler. I hate him. My favorite player in the NBA. Of course he, he is. He was right. He had one season. He so Towns. right. He had one season at Towns, and he looked at this and said, "I'm he burning this." Saw. <laughs> <laughs> that the practice, the Minnesota practice session of Jimmy Butler picking up the ball boy, that is iconic, and two cheerleaders to beat the starters is one of the greatest stories in the history of the league. But it was accurate. Cat is soft, and look. He has also experienced a lot of his personal life over the last couple, over the last few years that have yes, made me I feel horrendous for him. But the right? Butler stuff happened before all that. No, it actually, but that's the thing is like you can't be the size that you are playing the way you do. You're yeah. soft. Like you, there's no reason to be that guy. And yeah, completely hear your point about what happened in his personal life. Uh, that's. Obviously, nothing I'm saying here is referring no, to this person, but it's after the pot. We all know you're fine. He, he's not a winning player, right? He's not a winning player. And we saw it in the playoffs where he looked like a chicken with his head cut off, got like four offensive fouls a game. And uh, the way the Grizzlies played him has carried over into this year. Teams looked at that and said, ah, this is the formula for stopping Carl Anthony Towns. You put a smaller guy on him who's really physical. You double team him in the post. He will turn the ball over and you crowd him when he has the ball so that he drives and commits a dumb offensive foul. Do you ever get pissed off with the Grizzlies for doing that? Showing the whole league how to do it? No. I mean, I... No choice, right? I do, um, I do think the Grizzlies are overrated. But pricks. At, like Dylan Brooks is is objectively a dirty player and has the ugliest jumper in the NBA. But how I mean Ja Morant, how can you not love Ja Morant? You gotta love Ja. Everyone loves Ja. Yeah. Um and like they they showed the blueprint to beat towns. And if he's truly an all NBA player, which he was last year, 
if you're truly an NBA, all NBA player, then you figure out how to adjust your game. You figure out how to incorporate Rudy Gobert, a rising Anthony Edwards. If you're really an, a winning player, that's what you do. And he has yet to do that. If you could and make, if you could make one semi-realistic trade, shipping towns somewhere for a different star, let's say, or some picks or whatever it may be to make this Tim rules team better today you could just do it you could just execute it what would it be i actually heard this on the low post podcast which is one of my favorites and the trade that's what we do here we promote other podcasts yeah please continue was uh d'angelo russell for mike conley we're going back to the utah well oh okay and the reason i think that helps us is conley's more of a floor general point guard russell's looking for his shot he's not commanding the offense he's not encouraging ball movement player movement conley's a little bit more that way he's older he's smaller and we'd have to pay him extra years but that's why utah would do it right russell's an expiring contract take conley's contract we'll let russell walk at the end of the year maybe minnesota throws in another pick even though i'm not sure we have any more <laughs> I don't think you do. But I like that. Um, I just don't think under any circumstances you guys get rid of Cat. It's just hoping it works out that it does. Right. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I think you're right. Um, Anthony Edwards is the heart of that team and they need to realize it. And he also had the acting turn of the last five years to me in the Adam Sandler Netflix movie Hustle, mm -hmm. which to me, it screamed, you know what? I talked about this on another I podcast. I didn't even see it. Yeah, you were ridiculous for not watching it. Um, I would he, love to see it. I want to see it. I might see it today know, instead of the. You know what I said Texas about Anthony? I, yeah. You know what he reminded me of? Tupac as an actor, like that juice level Tupac. I actually think that he he might have been eaten because he he's looking at scripts and stuff, thinking that there's another career for him somewhere else. Um, <laughs> and even KG and Uncut Gems, man, hey, there's some acting going on in Minnesota. That? Fucking dope. That movie was tense. Oh my gosh. It was. Yeah. All right. I do have to run. I got okay. the, I got, we're going to end it on, we're going to end it on there, but thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate it. Nice uh, one thing ball. that just, one yeah, thing that just hit me was if K dot plays tougher, he could be cat dog. That's all I thought about. All right, cool. And on that note, we'll see you guys later. That was a dunkle moment. <laughs>